Hello, it's your old pal Tony from the future. It's been a while since I've had the chance to talk to you alone like this. And sadly, I need to give bad news. In true fantasy bookers fashion, when we plan a major episode ahead, it gets delayed due to technical difficulties. So I'm sorry to say, but our draft episode is just going to be a couple weeks behind, but we will get to it. It's going to be really fun. I promise it will not be disappointing. As for the housekeeping news, we now have a Facebook page. Yes, the basic thing that you need to make yourself known. We have now. And you can follow us at Fantasy Bookers on Facebook. We will make sure to update the page fairly regularly, especially with the new episodes when they drop, but we'll be sure to get that done for you. But as for now, let's get on with the show. All right, welcome back, everybody, Fantasy Bookers. This is going to be our quick hit topic show where we make Marlon renounce Butcher and the Blade our face punishment. Marlon, are you ready? Renounce them. You're not going to make me do it. You're not going to get it out of me. Butcher and Blade for life. Ow, why does that hurt? Why does that hurt? Stop it. <laughs> I tried, and that's Joey, exactly, that's exactly what you all will see when we get a YouTube video, Susie giving Marlon 10 lashes for liking Butcher and the Blade. <laughs> but let's so move awful. on. <laughs> let's so move awful. on to our topic show. Everyone, welcome. It is me. I am Joe, your host. With me is my brother, Tony. Ace now joins us. Welcome, Ace. Thank and you. Thank Marlon, you. Marlon and Suzette. So, Ace, as the newcomer, I am going to kick it off with you. My first topic, we all know in WWE everything is run through Vince McMahon. It has been that way for at least almost 40 years now. The question at that time now really is with everything going on in WWE, the coronavirus pandemic, the uh, falling TV ratings, and now uh, some investor pressure. Is Vince McMahon a burden, or is he still the best thing that WWE has? I honestly have to say it's probably somewhere in between, because he's still like he's out of it now, obviously. But you like nothing. There's very little I can actually say that I enjoy about what he's doing thing right now, but. We don't get to this like WWE doesn't get here without him. So to just discard him and call him a burden, I think is a is a stretch. Yeah, and uh, I would agree. I, I mean, none of us have started our own business. That's why we're pathetically trying to run a podcast. <laughs> so he definitely he definitely has that going for him. His business sense is far beyond ours. Uh, so Tony, I'll turn it to you. What are your thoughts? 
Um, Vince needs to give up the creative book and should have done so like three or four years ago. Yeah, none of us has started a business, but as general consumers of either content or a product, you can normally know when something is a bad idea. When, for instance, I'm trying to think of just like a really bad restaurant decision that has happened in recent time. I would say Wendy's offering breakfast uh, <laughs> because that's just an overall bad idea that's going to fail, but that is in the process of failing right now. Uh, so maybe Subway or hey, offering pizzas, I would say you could see that immediately and go like, this is a really bad idea, Subway. And then you just watch it fail over the course of a year, and then Subway pivots. Vince McMahon has had really bad ideas for the past five years, if not the past decade, continues to double down on them, and we haven't seen a pivot. It just doesn't happen. It didn't even happen in the summer of punk where things were supposed to change. And then we just got, oh, CM Punk is your champion, but John Cena is still your main event in every single pay-per-view, despite not being the champion. So that is how I feel. To be fair, change did happen. Now the main title wasn't the main event anymore. So thank you, CM Punk. Now we can defend a title in the middle of the show, like God intended. I hate that. I hate that. I... Vince McMahon hasn't had a good idea since the end of the Attitude Era. Like, everything post-Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock has been, on its best day, B-plus material. I feel like it's Vince thinking that he found a formula of some sort that he could just regurgitate over and over again. The thing is... I don't think it has anything to do with the formula. I think it's Vince McMahon does not care what anybody thinks. He's going to do what he wants his way. And if it means running his company, his other company into the ground, I mean, but the XFL is a terrible idea. And that's been run into the ground now, not once, but twice. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers WWF New York. That's the Hard Rock Cafe now. You know, it's he will run things into the ground for the sake of his own vanity. But that's the point I'm getting at is that the audience that loved what he was giving, they've grown or they don't exist anymore. This is a more sensitive era. People are more open about things like bullying. And I know that WWE has the BA star program, but it's still run by a bunch of conservative assholes and it still looks like it's performed by a bunch of conservative assholes. And so, I, sorry to cut you off, Martin. So I want to ask real quick because um, a lot of us have said the past decade has been tough for Vince McMahon. Do we consider WWE Network a success? I'll start with you, Ace. I would think so. I haven't just because my because my interest doesn't lie there. I haven't looked at like, the hard numbers and what it brings in for him, but. I think in general, it's I would I would consider it a success for what they were trying to do. I, I mean, 
I would certainly agree. At least I'll get put on my soapbox real quick. They have about 2 million subscribers. So, I mean, that's what, $20 million a month? Just from Pierce's subscriber base. Tony, I'll point to you, though. Um, WWE Network, uh, successful idea at this point or still wait and see? I would say it's still wait and see because 2 million subscribers does also takes into account people that are given free months. If you go to cancel WWE Network, they'll normally throw another free month at you. Um, you can leave for a while and come back with a free month. So it, their numbers have gone up um, post, post-COVID. Um, they're getting more subscribers due to the pandemic because all streaming service script subscriptions are up. But, well, if you're not quibby anyway. Um, but overall, I don't necessarily think... I think that WWE Network is kind of like Andy was saying a week ago. It, it might be too niche to end up working out in the long term. I love the network. I love the network. I love the documentaries that are on the network. I love the like behind the scenes, you know, like ride along shows that are on the network. I love that all the reality TV is on the network. Uh, I think it's going to, and I feel like because of that, it's going to work out long term because yeah, thanks to Corona, we don't really have many other sports going on. So a lot more people are curious about what the WWE has to offer as a replacement. I I don't think a lot of those people will stick around, like Tony mentioned, but the more people you can get in a basket, the more eyes you can get watching you, the more potential you have for people sticking around and having that go on and on. I think if they advertise the network more on the networks where the reality shows air, uh, Total Divas and Total Bellas is on E, Ms. and Mrs. is on USA, if they advertise the network more on those places and made the reality TV crowd more of their target audience than they are right now, I think their numbers would go up. Because trash reality TV, that's that's also a niche crowd, but it's, it, it's another demographic that they could get subscribing to the network. And even if they got half as many subscribers as they currently have now from the reality TV crowd, They'd still be bringing in more viewers. They'd still be making money. They still plan on making more reality shows. You know, keep keep that going and broaden that audience's horizons. And then they'll watch reality TV crowds. They also watch documentaries. The documentaries on there, A double plus good. More than that, it doesn't matter if it's that successful now. Because I, I believe I mentioned this in a previous episode. The network is Vince's life raft for life after cable. Cable's eventually going down. It's it's made it happen within 10 years or so, but it's going to make way for streaming services and WWE already having to leg up on people like AEW and NWA and ROH. That's going to matter a lot later. This is WWE hedging their bets a bit. And 2 million is a really good start for what they're heading for. Okay. So that'll conclude the Vince McMahon topic, but I want to stick with WWE for now. So the next rumor of WWE is they're going to have another upcoming draft for October. 
Now, my question is, and again, Ace, I'll start with you. We, we criticize a lot of WWE creative. Do we like the idea of a draft maybe once a year, um, possibly twice a year? Do, I mean, do we like only NXT talent coming in at WrestleMania? Do we like another draft coming in throughout the year? Or do we like the idea that superstars from any brand can come in anytime, any place, anywhere? I prefer the idea of a draft once a year. When I started, I started watching wrestling a whole lot back in like 2006 during like the the strong years of the first brand split. And every year, I would look forward to that dra- to the draft episode and seeing who's going where. But I also like the idea that NXT superstars can come up come up throughout the year on either brand because it gives you some surprise and not just some formulaic. All right, well, you gotta wait wait till a Monday in April or May in April. And we'll see who's coming up for the year. But I've always enjoyed the draft, and I think it's a it gives you a good gives you a good little TV mo- TV moment of shaking things up. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I. In fact, I prefer it if they kept switches to just that and maybe include the titles with it. That way you don't know where a superstar is going or what title they're taking with them. And I'd like to see like feuds straight up end abruptly only to have new feuds beginning. Like say suddenly Alistair Black is in the title picture or someone like that. That's oh, yeah. I-, I like to shake up. I would add to that. I One of my favorite things about professional sports in general is the draft you know who's getting the number one pick you can probably guess you know where your favorite college football star is gonna land in the nfl draft within like you know three or four picks you know it's not it's not hard but it's a lot of fun you know you get to see who's going where you get to you know look up stats and go oh well fuck i don't want this fucking asshole on my team but here he is great you know, but, plus they introduced something new this year that I really want to see them keep going with. Not only can NXT superstars move up, but superstars can move down. And Finn Balor and Charlotte have both killed it on NXT in their latest iterations. I want more people who don't quite, maybe less Charlotte, and more people who don't quite make it on the main roster like Finn Balor, and then they come back vicious on NXT. More of that, please. I, the only thing Charlotte did going to NXT was crush Bianca Belair's career. Um, I'm still mad about that. I'm I'm gonna die mad about that. But the draft is a lot of fun. However, I would like to still see, you know, surprise, you know, Royal Rumble entrance from NXT. You know, yes. surprise, you know, oh, it's mm-hmm. a Survivor Series match. Who's the last pick for, you know, team whoever gonna be? Oh, it's somebody. You know, it's the NXT champion. You know, have it so that you can perform anywhere. But your main priority is, you know, your brand and your brand is decided during the draft. So, Tony, I'm, I'm eager to get your take on this because as the resident AEW fan, one of the advantages I feel that AEW has for its TV is that they have been bringing in anybody at any time in any situation, such as, you know, just recently the, the War Horse, um, now the Matt Cordona and the Eddie Kingston. Why are you putting the in front of both of those? The War Horse and the Eddie Kingston. Hey, sounds cool. Did you find that out on the Facebook? Did you buy it at the Walmart? Okay. 
the <laughs> does apply to both those terms. So just finish your point, you ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the idea that when your roster is as big as WWE's, that you uh, find a way to differentiate your wrestling shows by having different rosters attached to it. But the mechanics of it need to make sense. And generally, they have not. Um, the thing that I wanted when they first did the brand split for this current iteration is I wanted them to keep the same number of championships they had and just allow their champions to float between brands. So that way you can effectively cross-promote and it gives a reason for WWE wrestlers to want to get a championship in the in-universe kayfabe reason of it. You want to do it because maybe there's something that you're feuding with that you're no longer attached to. Maybe you really think that the people on the other brand are easier to beat, so you go over there and you're a heel. Or you can do any number of stories that way. But instead what they did was they simply gave everyone their own version of a championship, which only works storytelling-wise in one way. It works in this person is world champion, and this person is world champion of this belt. Maybe they should face each other, and we should see who is better. And that's really one note, and that only works on that every once in a while when they have it on Survivor Series. So I really wish they would pivot and turn it into something where there's actually stakes to being on one brand or the other and being at the top level of one brand or the other. But instead what we do is we just get two separated wrestling stories that aren't necessarily separated because whenever they feel like it, they just move a wrestler to another brand and find some stupid shake-up rule or whatever the hell they go over um, to explain why suddenly they're on this show in the middle of March. See, well, I, I like that idea. I do love it. I The way they have it constructed now as three separate shows with separate title equivalents it's kind of like Disney having its own brand of things. It's the Disney brand, but it's still, say, Hulu or Miramax or what have you. Like SmackDown and Raw, they're part of WWE, but they aren't WWE. So I like, I like seeing them separate like that. The trouble is they don't keep them separate enough. NXT does a clear distinction between that and Raw and SmackDown. Raw and SmackDown don't have that same distinction. And I think that has more to do with creative than anything else. I think... Yeah. I think NXT creatively is the superior product and you could put, uh, you know, a guy in a feed sack on there wearing a hat, you know, talking gibberish and it would be a better product than Raw or SmackDown right now. And that is 100% because of the creative. I don't think the talent necessarily has anything to do with it. Shayna Baszler is on the main roster. What is she doing? Why doesn't, why doesn't she have a title? You know, that's... That they, they, they wasted a beast woman. No, that is 100% a creative downfall. They have A-plus talent, and they waste 90% of them. That's that's yeah. why it's different. 
Yeah, which is why just keeping it to a draft one year would work for me. Don't change them interchangeably throughout the year. Have your set roster for the year, and those are the toys you get to play with, and that's that. It works for NXT. Keep it that way for Raw and SmackDown. And every year, once, boom, change up. Suddenly, new people are in the title picture, and you get new toys. So we'll pivot from that. I'll, I'll be optimistic for Susie and say, please, I just hope they're saving Shayna Baszler for SummerSlam. I hope but so, too. I we'll call, really do. Yeah, we'll call I that conscious optimism. I thought her come up was going to be so much better, and I'm disappointed. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> but we will pivot. So this, is, this first part is more or less a funny ha-ha topic. So quick yes-no answer. We'll, we'll pivot to AEW. Tony, will Darby Allen kill himself in the ring? Yes, no. He won't, but he will probably severely injure himself to the point that he just no longer wrestles. My guess would be within five years. <laughs> Ace, if question. He, yes, no, will Darby Allen kill himself? Uh, he won't kill himself, but he will paralyze himself. <laughs> <laughs> and Marlon and Tuesday, same question. 100% paralyze himself, but I believe that he'll get a bionic neck and come right back in it and break something else. I don't I don't think he'll maim himself before he maims somebody else. I think he'll get like a titanium spine the way Bullseye got an adamantium spine after Daredevil broke his back. Well, Susie, that actually goes into something that kind of fascinates me about watching Darby Allen. All of the risks he takes are generally risking himself and not other wrestlers. From the behind the scenes on the on the skateboarding spot of the recent Dynamite, where uh, Ricky Starks took thumbtacks to the back and they kind of gashed his back open because that's how physics work. <laughs> uh, the... Uh, that was very clearly apparently that Ricky Starks had a uh, had a mistake when he faced Darby Allen in the previous week, kind of dumped him on his head, and that was his way of making amends by saying, hey, we can do this spot and I can take the risk. But for the most part, if Darby Allen has a spot in a match, he's the one taking the damage. He's kind of like a weird version of he's a very thin Mick Foley in that regard. Every single risk he takes is just putting his own self on the line rather than putting others on the line. And I think there's good and bad in that. But overall, I want Darby Allen to be around because there is something there. But dear God, I just be safe. Dudley. My, my concern is there's going to get to a point where he can't, you know, eat shit, basically, for a living. And I feel like he's going to project his own bullshit onto the wrong person, and it's going to go horribly wrong, and it's it's going to be, like, a nightmare. I Yeah, all of his risks right now, he he takes bumps. I have, I have some concerns for how he takes bumps. I mean, he literally, like, went... Face first into that rope, like and I don't, he ragdolls himself in things. I, man, I, I think he's a literal punishment sponge. I think he's just <laughs> taking the pain. Maybe he enjoys it. I don't know, but he reminds me a lot of Spike Dudley just being wailed around by by his brothers. 
So I'll I'll move on from Darby Allen there because I think we can keep going on on what was initially just supposed to be funny. Ha ha, you all. No, there's nothing funny about Darby Allen. <laughs> well, genuinely nervous. Joey, to be fair, <laughs> Joey, to be fair, your funny ha ha joke was, "Is this person going to die?" <laughs> Listen, I think I'll care more about Darby Allen once he changes his ring gear away from short shorts and tights. <laughs> but the face paint can stay, right, Ace? Oh yeah, face paint can stay. That time he appeared in the in the crowd with half of his suit painted up. Before a, cha- before a title match, that can stay. He just needs to change his actual gear. So Ooh, on that... Versus heel Cassidy. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll get to that, Marlon, because here is my next topic. My favorite thing about Wednesday on both shows was MJF's promo. And you all know I love MJF. Mm-hmm. And I think he is best suited as the next AEW champion. So my question to you all, and Tony, I'll start with you. MJF, is MJF the best candidate for the AEW championship? And also add in your thoughts to who you think would be better suited as the next AEW champion. And also put in your thoughts, if you want, on do you think Moxley has been a successful AEW champion? That's a lot of questions in one. Um, I do think that John Moxley has been a successful AEW champion because all of his matches have been passable to good. He hasn't had a bad championship match at all in his championship run. Um, they keep him special by not have by not having him do like 20 minutes in the ring doing a promo every week, WWE. Uh, and they make sure that all of the feuds make sense in some sort of way to uh, to keep the character strong that way. MJF, if you are going to give the championship to a heel, is probably the best heel to take the championship from him. I do still think it is too early to put the title onto MJF, but I'm willing to be proven wrong there. Um, and as for a champion who I think would be better suited to uh, carry your brand to this upcoming year and give the rub to either an MJF or an up-and-coming face, I would probably say that the championship would need to go to either a heel Kenny Omega or do a face-face with uh, Hangman Page. Okay. Hey, do you have any thoughts on the AEW title picture? Uh, I do. I think in a perfect world, MJF can would be champ would be champ would be. I won't say he'll be champion, but he'll always, he'll be knocking on that door every couple months for the next maybe year. I would. Do I would have beat Moxley for the title? I would wait till all these travel restrictions are gone, and I would let Pack beat him, and then you can get Pat, and then from there you can have Pack give it to a Hangman, and then from Hangman I would go to MJF. I also think that before before AEW has anyone beat Moxley, they need Moxley to lose that in JPW's IWGP US Championship, since that's their mid, since that's a New Japan's mid card title. 
need him to lose that before. I think that just sends a message of their mid card is stronger than our main event. If he's holding that and not holding the AEW championship. I agree. I That's fair. I 100% agree with that. I also, MJF, I hate him. I loathe him entirely, and I'm starting to love to hate him. He looks like Long Island. He smells like Long Island. I hate his Burberry scarf. I hate his, he hate his stupid facial hair. I hate his stupid head hair. I hate everything about him. He's great on the microphone, but his ring work, I don't. I don't want a bully champion. He's a he's a bully. Yeah. His match with Griff Garrison, he was just a bully. It's not. It was great. I but I don't want that as my champion. Like that's that you're you, you're my champion. Like you're you're wearing a title. You're representing this thing that I like. You're my champion. I don't want that dude as a champion. I don't want him as any champion. However, he would be better suited for a mid card title. Yes. FTW title, the TNT title. Yeah. Have him hold a mid card title. Make him king of the mid card. Give him the mistreatment and have him prove himself physically. When his ring work is as good as his ability to piss me off with his promos, then I will buy him as a champion. Right now, not so much. Moxley, I I just love him. I think he's great. He can stay champion forever and ever, in my opinion. Moxley can lose. I'm already sick of him, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of a shtick. But I just don't think MJF should be the guy to do it. MJF, when he wins, he should be the underdog and he should get the most heel heat possible. By the time MJF wins the title, I want him to have lost his streak and people to have forgot about it being a possibility of him being in there and him for him to shock everyone. I think the TNT title would be a good test run for him with the belt. But aside from that, uh, it, it's way too soon. Give it to, Kev, to Kenny Omega for now. That guy's proven himself in many other companies. MJF is way too young and it would be way too fast. And I'm afraid they would kill all of his momentum before he even got anywhere. I don't want him to get like a Dolph Ziggler or Elias Samson treatment. So Marlon, I just want to ask you then quickly, I who would you on who would you rather see personally with the title? No wrong answers. Would you rather see Orange Cassidy with the title or MJF with the title? Between the two? Ugh, MJF. Get or, out of my house. I love Orange Cassidy, <laughs> but he house. only works as an underdog. The moment he gets the title, the moment the dog catches the mailman, what's he going to do with it? Ugh, it'll be funny for about a month, but we're all going to want him to lose it at some point, only to watch him regain it. I'm not interested in Orange Cassidy's run as a champion. I'm interested in him getting the championship. MJF, I want the guy to hold it for a solid two years. No, no, absolutely not. Negative. No. Orange Cassidy, put a title on him, give him a heel turn as a champion. Spin that around. And then all of a sudden, you have the new faces of the company coming for that title. That's that's the thing of beauty. That's what they should do. MJF belongs nowhere near that title. But I'm following the the rule here that a hero is only as good as their villain. Now, MGF, he has amazing heel heat. And if you make him a heel champ that you want to see beaten, that logically can be beaten. If you make him AEW's Adam Cole and just keep setting face after face after face against him and have them lose and lose and lose 
to freaking Wardlow over and over again, then I think you have some money there. By the time he gets it, by the time Keith Lee or some equivalent finally shows up and dethrones him, it'll be huge. MJF could be bigger than Adam Cole. I nobody wants that but you. Nobody wants that but you. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I think there is actually a uh, there is an upside if Orange Cassidy was given a title run. I do not think that it would work for a long period of time. But um, the uh, the joke series One Punch Man completely works based on a villain of the week wrecking other people. And then One Punch Man comes in and wins sort of without any sort of fanfare. And then they move on to the next villain of the week. What so, Cassidy? So you could essentially just make Orange Cassidy into One Punch Man if they had him with a title. I would not say you should do that <laughs> because no, no, it weakens your heels. No, but it is something that you can do. Uh, totally I just, you just that's that's a thing I didn't even realize. One I kick, man. I, no. Now I want that. That's what I want. That's. That's it. That's the dream. One kick, man. Susie, One kick, Cassidy. Susie and Marlon, I'm going to cut you off because I just envisioned Orange Cassidy with the big show KO punch, and that scares the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not the alley-oop. But that, those are our three topics, so I'm going to pivot. Ace, welcome to the show, and I'll Damn. leave this to you. Do you have any final thoughts, anything that you wanted to talk about? This is your soapbox. Um... Not really. The only thing I can say wrestling-wise is that I am very happy that New Japan is back to touring and putting out shows and giving me things that I love. Yeah, I was so that would, me, and, me and Tony were actually talking about this in person yesterday because we are, after all, brothers. Do you hope for a New Japan deal with a WWE or an AEW? I would much rather see them with AEW because I think AEW's roster works better and their production works better with New Japan than WWE would. I'd really like to. I think they're. I feel like they're going to, especially with the Good Brother. How the Good Brothers have been talking of a part trying to get a partnership with TNA, and I think that would be great for both of them. But or not, it's Impact Wrestling now. But I, in my head, it's still TNA. I I hear you completely. But on that note, Tony, before I take us out, I'm going to give you the final word. Yeah, so I have a question for everyone because I I wasted a lot of my time on a series called Megalobox, which is just a – it's a sci-fi show, and it's basically just a boxing show. It's a boxing show with science fiction around it. If – you made some sort of fictional pro wrestling series. Do you think it would work better in a science fiction atmosphere, a fantasy atmosphere, or would you make it a sort of period piece and take it back to like the 1950s? Oh. Sort of a broad boardwalk empire of wrestling. Oh, those are all good options. Oh, yeah, those, are. Those, are all, those are all different seasons. It's no sci-fi. Black Mirror, this sucker. Wrestling in space. Wrestling in space. That, yeah, that's where I went first. I want some techno stuff. I want, like, robotic wrestlers and cybernetic parts and me- mechanical legs 
Oh I would God. go fantasy and just have different monster wrestlers. The sin trolled goblins. Goblins, a centaur. The the Thor Ragnarok model. The bitch planet model. Oh Pure yeah. Professional wrestling, bitch planet X professional wrestling. Like the whole futuristic but primitive thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it's the future and everybody's a slave and they have to wrestle. And if you lose, then you stay a slave. But if you win, you get to live in the palace. Yeah, that's but it's in space. I like the idea of wrestling being characters from all those genres coming together. Undertaker clearly belongs nowhere near any of this, but he's a goddamn necromancer, and we let him do that. <laughs> so on what that note, dark- I'm going to take us out, because Tony, the correct answer, it is already all three. After all, we're going to have Roy Jones against Mike Tyson. <laughs> so it is all fantasy and sci-fi and anime. It's everything looped into one. It still is and always will be. But that was Fantasy Bookers. That was our topic show for this week. And as always, if you can book it better, book it yourself. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. Fantasy Bookers is edited by me, Tony. Our podcast artwork is by Lily Hawk Inc., who you can follow on Instagram at Lily Hawk Inc. You can follow me on Twitter at the Pecoraro, and you can follow Marlin on Twitter at Marlin Muses. We will be back next week with another episode. Not quite sure what it will be yet, but you can follow us on Facebook at Fantasy Bookers to figure out what it will be. I'm Tony, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.